Hey everyone, and welcome to Mind Body Green's Clean Beauty School. I am your host and beauty director, Alexandra Engler. Today, we are talking about the epidemic of overcomplicating your skincare routine and doing a ton of myth busting along the way. So I don't know about you, but after scrolling through Instagram and TikTok, I can't help but leave with the feeling that I need to be doing at least a dozen new steps or run straight to Sephora or even buy a fancy new tool that promises things like poreless skin. Now, I'm at an age where I know my skin well enough to stop that urge right in its tracks. My sensitive skin could never deal with that constant change, but that feeling is real. It is no wonder that we've been sucked into this belief that our skincare routines and wellness routines need to be complicated, or that we are somehow doing something wrong if we are not on top of the newest viral treatment trend. So in this episode, we are taking a step back to evaluate why this is happening, what to do about it, and how to form a skincare routine that works for you. And like I said, we will be doing some myth busting as well. To do so with, I cannot think of anyone better than dermatologist Kavita Mariwala. There is so much to cover, so I'm not going to lose a second more. Let's get into it. Kavita, welcome. Thank you so much. It's so nice to be with you today. I'm so excited to have this conversation. I think this is going to be a really fun topic, and I feel like we're going to have a lot of ground to cover that is going to be super useful and super helpful for our listeners. So why don't we just go ahead and jump right into it? I would love if you could introduce yourself and tell us your story. How did you decide you wanted to be a dermatologist? You know, what drew you to beauty? Well, thanks for that question and giving me the opportunity to let people get to know me. My name is Kavita Marawala. I'm a board-certified dermatologist. I work in private practice. I own my own practice on Long Island in New York. I trained at Yale, and I trained not only in dermatology, but I also did an extra year of skin cancer surgery and aesthetics, so I'm boarded in that as well. What drew me to dermatology, I actually come from a family of physicians. Believe it or not, my mom's a pediatrician. My dad's a gastroenterologist. I have a brother who's a neurosurgeon. I ended up marrying a guy who's a cardiologist. So medicine is something I'm around a lot. Sure. Runs in the family. That being said, what I like about derm is that you can treat all ages. So babies up until, you know, 90-year-olds. And I fill my day with a variety of things. So treating both skin cancers. I love that because it's one of the few areas of medicine where you can say, okay, you have a cancer, but I can cure it with this quick procedure. And then I also think it's great because, you know, when you're thinking about organs like your heart, you don't know what your heart looks like at any given moment, but if there's something on your skin, you can see it. And it kind of makes you a little worried sometimes. So to me, the reason I went to medical school was precisely for that doctor-patient interaction And being able to meet people where they are to help them change the way they look in a healthier way, to make them feel comfortable about their skin, and also to allay their fears for something that they can see, I don't know, to me, it's super satisfying. And so I I really love my job. I love that last part. And that goes into what I wanted to ask you about next. You know, what is your approach to skincare and beauty in your practice? Obviously, it's it comes from a personal level for you. You you love interacting with patients, you know, 
But can we expand on that a little bit more? You know, what is your skincare philosophy? Well, I think a lot of people think of a skincare philosophy as something that needs to be complicated. Mm. And mine is actually really simple. Everybody has a unique way that they interact with washes, with creams. Everyone has different lifestyles. Some people are up all night. Some people get up first thing in the morning. I have patients who are avid exercisers, and I have people who are busy moms and dads. So to me, my skin care philosophy is really about meeting the person where they are at that point in their life. Because what you can do as a 25-year-old and what you can do as a 30-year-old with a newborn are very different things. So I like to find out about the person. So, Like instead of being theoretical, like you should use a 10-step routine. Well, that's great. But if you've only managed to do the two steps, why are we talking about the other eight? So I tend to take a pretty practical approach, and I think that's driven a lot by my own lifestyle. I have three small boys at home. I'm the only girl in the house. And so, you know, if I'm going to take time to do something for myself, I want to know that it's going to be high impact and high yield. From my background, I've written um, a few textbooks, actually, and one of the books that I wrote was on cosmeceutical ingredients. So I'm also really a fan of telling people what's the hype and what's the real thing. And in that way, again, I think it's really important to have those conversations because as a dermatologist, I'm your doctor and I'm in charge of making sure your skin is fine and healthy. And then after that, it's like, I'm your secret best girlfriend who'll tell you all the inside tips on how to make things look better. I love that. So, you know, I check out your work on social media and you really developed uh, this audience of people who, who come to you to understand beauty in this informal, easy way, you know, with, with suggestions that are affordable and accessible. And obviously that comes from how, how you work in your own practice, but you know, what prompted you to kind of go online with this and you to create this following that you have? Cause I think it's a, it's a cool niche that you've created for yourself. I think that there's so much misinformation out there about skin. So number one is the largest organ in your body. And because of that, I think a lot of times on social, it's almost like have skin, I'm an expert. And it's like, Mm. no, that's not the thing. And, you know, you see everyone from actors and actresses to singers talking about their skincare routine. And it's like, okay, well, that works for you. But you also have an entire glam team. That's literally your job is to look good. And so you have all these people surrounding you at all times to make sure that happens. And for civilians like us, that's not the case. And I think that a lot of people want to emulate these stars or or follow these trends and they don't realize that they can actually do harm to themselves because no one's on the other side saying you don't need it. And also, if you do it, the result might not look like that. And as a woman, I think it's really tough to be a teenager right now. Yeah. Like I think that a lot of teens are on TikTok or on social media and they're being exposed to these images that are filtered and they're not literally their brain isn't developed enough to fully understand the emotional impact it's having on them. So it's like hard for them to shut it off or be able to be mature enough to say that's fake. And that's, that's why I'm not going to believe it. So they see every single photo that has no pores. Everyone's lips are like this perfect size. Everyone's got, you know, the perfect contour. And so what's a normal person supposed to think and do? And then on the flip side, you've got adult women and I'm a woman of color. And I feel like that narrative 
is one where people talk about beauty as if all things are appropriate for all skin tones, and it's just not. And you kind of learn that the hard way sometimes. So I don't know. I like to have a page and a social media presence that's practical, that feels approachable, and that in the same way that I talk to my patients, I think people are really smart and they don't want to have skincare and ingredients dumbed down for them. I think sure. they understand a lot. And so again, it's that philosophy of I can meet you where you are and we can have a conversation and you can ask me and you feel like I'm not going to, you know, throw you a song and dance, then you're likely to have a better outcome, whether you decide to go with what I say, or at least informs you to make better decisions on your own. You just affirmed so many of my own personal thoughts about social media. So already off the bat, I can tell that this is going to be a very fruitful conversation. And <laughs> there are so many things that you said that I want to dive into and we will dive into, but you know, why don't we start out at the top with this idea of overcomplicating our routines? Yes. Let's talk about that. I see it all the time. It is so frustrating where, you know, people think that they need to be doing all this stuff in order to have good skin. And you know what, if people like that and it works for them, I, I'm never going to tell anyone no, but at the same time, it can't be good for everybody. So, you know, I want to ask you, you know, why are we so drawn to these overcomplicated routines? Are you seeing this with your patients? Yes. You know, it's so funny that you mentioned that because I literally was trying to figure out how did that start? Like, who started that and where did we get that from? And, you know, if you trace it back, it turns out it kind of started with this upsurgence of K-beauty. And in different cultures, beauty is actually part of this sort of ritual of self-care. But what's happened is in translation, in the United States, it's become like, now I need all the things. And those are very different mm. ideas, right? Mm -hmm. So keeping in mind that everyone's got very different skin. So if you are waking up in the morning and let's say you shower and then you're going to put on an essence and then you're going to put on a toner and then you're going to do a face oil and then you're going to do a moisturizer and then you're going to do SPF and then you're doing a foundation and then you're doing whatever. I mean, half an hour later, you can't tell me that your skin's not going to have breakout. It's just, you know, no one's skin can tolerate that much occlusion. And what's happened is that because it's kind of become normalized, like, what do you mean you don't have a toner? Or what do you mean you don't have an essence? And it's like you go around and you want to collect all these things. And then you feel like, oh, I got to use all of them. But remember, skincare is not like jewelry. You don't change it every day. Mm. And you can have, you know, five different little black dresses, but there's really not a reason to have five different moisturizers. So some people will then say, oh, well, it's your skincare wardrobe. And I get that. But remember that your skin takes 28 days to turn over. So that means whatever you're doing today, you might say, oh, look, it made such a difference in my skin the next day. And I'm always laughing when I hear that because I'm like, girl, that skin that you see the next day is skin that was on its way to getting to the top a month ago. So what you're <laughs> sure. doing today, you're not even going to see for another month. Yeah. I think that a lot of people kind of don't realize the physiology of their skin. And I think that doing too many things can cause a lot of irritation. So sure. Everyone just like switches everything around. And I think there's this drive to want to just own all this pretty stuff and then use it all together. But that's just not how they're formulated. 
It's also not how the skin reacts. So, you know, let's talk about this on a, a basic level. What are what are you seeing in your patients who are overcomplicating their routines? You know, you mentioned irritation, but what are signs that people can look for that they might be overdoing it? If you notice that you're suddenly getting very irritated to basic products, that means you're sensitizing your skin. If you notice peeling, itching, redness, again, you're oversensitizing your skin. If you find that you're getting breakouts a lot more than you used to, that's probably something you're doing. And another telltale sign is if your eyelids get really dry. And that's something that because the eye area is super sensitive, you don't always need to apply things to the eyes for them to react to things you're applying on your face. Interesting. And that's a really good tip. Like look for the eye area for for signs of irritation on your face remember now everyone's doing all these things on their fingernails and it's like i feel like i have patients who are younger and younger coming in with a full set of nails and i have to tell them look you know at 14 i understand you've got these fabulous tips and all of this stuff but at what point are you going to then not wear them to allow your nails to actually grow and breathe they're still you know, living parts of your body that you want to have strong because trust me, as you get older, your nails get brittle anyway. So sure. all the gels, all of this, all of that, all the time, it's like your, your skin just doesn't get a chance to return to its normal balance. But as far as skincare, I think it doesn't mean you have to do nothing, but it means have some purpose and some routine. It doesn't have to be changed up every day like a workout. There's no reason for that. I also think, and this is kind of like my own personal crusade, everyone's really into a lot of tools for their face. Have you mm-hmm. noticed that? Like, yeah. everyone's like this massager and this gua sha and this roller and, and this. And know, this face brush, time. this. Yeah, exactly. And like, I enjoy tools just like any other beauty gal out there. But, you know, I, I have to ask, are is that contributing to this? I think that people are using tools that they then don't clean. And I think that they're relying on retailers on big websites that themselves are not regulating who's selling what. So you don't really know the quality of the materials. Like I'll give you an example. People were really into derma rolling for a while and some of them still are. But if you think about it, how do you know that the derma roller that you're getting, they're tiny, tiny needles. I understand you almost can't see them with the naked eye, but they're still creating openings in your skin. How do you know that it's actually like surgical grade stainless steel? What what is the what is that little poke made out of? Yeah. And then how are you cleaning it? And how sure. do you know it's gonna get clean? So it seems like on the one hand, oh, I'm gonna, you know, micro needle my face. Well, what does that mean to you? And then how are you cleaning it? Where are you storing it? Are you putting it like in a container that's sitting above or next to your toilet bowl? Like, you mm, know? Ew, gross. <laughs> ew, I've never <laughs> thought about that before. Ew. You know, like all these yes. things that we control oh. for in the office. And I sometimes feel like telling people, guys, just let some of that stuff, like it's worth the price of the facials. Totally. You don't have to worry about it. I actually refuse to write about like microneedling and derma rollers just because I 
I do not believe that the lay person should have that technology. I'm like, hundred <laughs> percent. like, I know myself like, and I'm good at beauty, but I don't trust myself with it. And therefore I don't trust anyone else with it. hundred percent. Because the reality is, is that how are, how can you possibly ensure that it's sterile in every place? There has been a fair number of studies done on the safety and efficacy of microneedling, but here is the catch. All of the studies were done in a professional setting. One study found that using it as an anti-aging treatment didn't address wrinkles, but it did improve the skin's overall appearance, radiance, and texture. Another concluded that, again, when done in a professional setting for at least four weeks, the skin appeared younger and smoother than without treatment. It's also being studied in tandem with other in-office treatments such as laser to help deliver topical treatments more efficiently. And finally, it is being studied to help those with alopecia or hair loss. At present, there is only one FDA-approved microneedling device. And again, here is the catch. It is only approved for professional use. Oh my gosh, and remember when people were doing those hyaluronic injections in their own lips? Uh, that's terrifying. I mean, what on God's earth? So forget the fact that you're getting some cartridge that you think has hyaluronic acid in it. Because like, who really knows what that clear gel yeah, is? Because where are you getting it from? But then you're going to inject it into super vascular parts of your face. Uh, that if that gel goes into an artery, could potentially cause your skin to die in that area. And then it's bloody and you have this like, machine that you know screws into different parts are you taking that whole thing out and putting it in alcohol and soaking it and decontaminating it no it it's all bananas i find that to be terrifying (laughs) so on that note how do you talk to people about simplifying their routines you know what do you say to somebody when they do either you know dm you on instagram or they come into your office even and they're like you know i've overdone it i've sensitized my skin what do you say to them? How do you help them pair back? You know, what's your go-to advice? I always tell them there's nothing that you've done that we can't try to undo. It might okay. take a long time, but now we need to really come up with a routine that works that you can do for the long run. And you have to give me six months. The first step is you got to give me six months to undo things. Okay. Then I tell them in general, skincare falls into three buckets. And you should always have something in one of those three buckets at all times. So the first bucket is protect. So you got to wear a sunscreen or an antioxidant. You can't Mm -hmm. just roll out and pretend like you're not going to get any kind of skin cancer if you have nothing on. That you have to do. Mm -hmm. The second is reverse. So I think that at a certain age, most people have done something to their skin that you're trying to undo. So I, I make little, you know, deals with my patients. I practice on the South shore of Long Island. Everyone down here is like at the beach or has a boat or has a pool. So I tell them, okay, fine. You get to go have fun all summer long, but starting in September, September to March is marijuana time. You get, you have to come in and we have to undo some of that damage. And that might mean brown spots for some, red spots for other, precancerous lesions, spots that look like, okay, they've gotten too much discoloration because of sun damage. So we reverse. And then the other bucket is prevent. And sometimes reverse and prevent can be hand in hand. 
But prevent is that thing that it's like, if you don't let yourself gain 200 pounds, you're never going to have to go through the pain of losing 200 pounds. So that's not to say you can't gain four or five, 10, 20, but like you, you got to do everything in moderation. So prevent is that category where what is your 40 year old self going to go back to your 20 year old self and say, thank you so much for starting to do that. I'm so happy that you got into that routine. And it can be as simple as washing your face before you go to bed. It can be as complicated as doing a retinoid or a glycolic followed by a peptide cream. You can have as many things in these categories as you want, but the rule is you have to have at least one in those three things. I love that. That is so simple, so easy to understand. It's, you know, you can kind of mix and match there. I love it when anybody can give me buckets and they're just like, okay, like hit these three buckets. You're good to go. Yeah. And you only need one thing in each and you'll still be fine. And the other thing is, is that if you have your buckets and you're like, wow, all I'm doing is correcting. I'm not doing anything else. Well, then you also realize a gap in your skincare routine because what's the point of fixing sun damage if you don't wear sunscreen? Make sure. Or what's the point of like reversing brown spots if you're not, you know, if you're going to go out and lay on the beach and not wear any protection. The other thing is it helps you realize also if you have too many in one bucket, because that's also not helpful. Doing all the things for reversing, like exfoliating and a retinoid and a glycolic and a peptide. Well, how's that really going to, it's just weighting it too much. So I think thinking of it in the three buckets lets you be balanced, but it also gives you some play of doing things a little heavy if you want to. So we're kind of getting into product territory here. And one thing that I know that, you know, you talk about on your social media and something that I think you pride yourself in is you have to talk about how beauty doesn't always have to be crazy expensive. You know, you can find good options at most price points. And, you know, if people want to splurge, let them splurge, but people who can't splurge, you know, you can still find good stuff. And I, I want to ask, you know, like what, how do you look for good stuff at any price point? Like what sort of things do you look for that screams quality to you? I think it is important to know where things are sourced. And this is one area that I think has gotten a little out of hand in that somehow we as consumers and buyers of beauty have become more trustworthy that sort of, you know, are more willing to trust a small indie brand than some of the big box brands. Mm-hmm. And I think what people don't realize is the big box brands actually are able to bring things to market at a really good price point because they're producing tens of thousands of units of it. They also have very large research and development you know, arms that are constantly trying to innovate and come up with formulations they have a lot of proprietary and um, trademarked ingredients that they have access to in like their house of goods. And in the same way that, you know, we love indie brands of clothing, there are houses of fashion that, you know, they have these archives of all their different patterns and designs and couturiers and like the way that they stitch. It's the same way in skincare. So you can have a brand like Neutrogena, which is part of a larger brand of products by Johnson & Johnson, and though they're different silos, Neutrogena and Avino and PCA are different, they're able to cross-talk and think about formulations and ingredients in similar ways. L'Oreal works that way too. 
So I think we sometimes think, oh, because it's available in the drugstore, it must be cheap and therefore not good. And that is not true. Sure. You know, I think sometimes we, a way to liken this too is the way that we talk about food here at Mind Body Green. You know, we, we say, listen, if you can eat organic and you prefer to eat organic and you want to go to the farmer's market, by all means, no one's stopping you. But what's more important than that is that we make vegetables available at all price points for all neighborhoods. And yes. I think there's like kind of like a similar comparison there, right? Oh my gosh. I have not heard it said like that. And now I'm going to have to say it like that because <laughs> that's true. It's much more important that many people are able to use a staple of skin care like sunscreen than your sunscreen be, a, you know, a $60 version that's just for your face. Mm-hmm. Totally. Yeah. We just, it's more important that we allow for different price points to, to have quality. And so people can have skincare no matter where they're at yes, and whatever the price point they're at. We're yeah. there to meet you where you are. Totally. Exactly. Totally. I know. And like, you know, obviously here we do lean in a more natural sort of way. And, you know, we are a little bit more picky about what sort of ingredients we recommend in terms of, we definitely like lean a little bit more through, more through the natural lens. But what I always talk about is what is more important than that is that we're just giving people the knowledge to take care of their skin because you know not everyone wants to to do their skincare routine the exact same not everyone wants to have you know the organic products that other people are recommending some people just want to take care of their skin and to me that's far more important yeah i agree like some people they don't mind the preservatives they're good with it they've made peace with it it's good and some people are like you know what I have other health issues. I have other things. I want to try to control whatever I can that's touching my skin, entering my body. So I think, you know, good for all, as long as there's something available for all. And so to get back to your question of like, how do I know what's a good product or not? I think it starts with looking at at the actual ingredients in the bottle Mm -hmm. and making sure that what they're saying it can do is actually reasonable and possible. So for example, if you have something that's saying it's an SP, like a tanning lotion of SPF four, well, you know, that's not going to actually give you any protection of anything. So I think the other thing is that we all know we have to reapply sunscreen, right? Mm -hmm. And the biggest myth that happens out there is a lot of makeups or creams or face creams that say, Oh, it's SPF is in it. Well, okay. Are you reapplying it? Are you not reapplying it? And that makes a really big difference. So when you're looking for your more standard steps of skin care, whether it be face wash or a serum, if someone decides to, or a moisturizer, you know, what are the things that you recommend spending more money on versus stuff that you think people could get away with spending less on is, do you have any tricks in that realm? Oh yes. Let me tell you. Can I tell you things that I think are like little secrets? Yes, please. I love little secrets. (laughs) So I think moisturizer is totally overrated in the expense category. Interesting. Okay, please tell me more. More expensive moisturizers do not moisturize your skin more. The actual act of moisturizing or hydrating your skin is accomplished by certain ingredients. And if you want an active, well, that's different. An active, you want to spend money on because the amount that's in it, it's bioavailability, it's formulation, that matters. So like your vitamin C or your retinol or your niacin or 
you know, things like that. That is worth spending money on. I say actives a lot on this podcast, and we obviously just referenced them here, but I want to explain it more thoroughly to provide context. So active ingredients are those that are found in beauty products that have an intended purpose. Ingredients that are meant to address a specific concern. And like the name suggests, they play a role in actively treating your skin concerns. So for example, salicylic acid is an active that treats acne. And niacinamide is an active that may treat dullness and other concerns. However, it does get a little bit fuzzy when we talk about them within the context of beauty and products, because there is a stricter definition of active ingredients that's actually regulated by the FDA. And then there is the looser, less involved colloquial way that we speak about it in the beauty industry, such as in stories or podcasts like this one. FDA-regulated actives are those that you find on a drug panel in your products. So the easiest way to look for these is to flip over something. You will see the drug panel, and right at the top, you will see active ingredients. Those are your FDA-regulated actives. So, for example, salicylic acid, like we mentioned above, would fall under this category as it is marketed as an acne treatment. Others may include retinol and SPF. But a lot of times in the beauty industry, we'll call things like antioxidants as quote-unquote actives, even if they are not regulated to the same standard. Like a plain old moisturizer? Mm, Nope, don't spend money on it. Like the cheap brands, they do just as well as the expensive ones. I love that. I, I feel like I've always defaulted to getting like kind of expensive face moisturizers. Yeah. No reason, you know, but I think some people like the sensorial and textural journey of of moisturizers and Mm. that's fine. You know, do what you want to do. You like a little scent, you like a little, you know, cloudy, like a cloud texture to it. You want it to be like a dew, no problem. Knock yourself out. But basic moisturizer should not be like, that's the way you save. There's no reason to splurge on that. I love that tip. So you did mention actives though, and like serums, and that is a place you want to splurge. So I have a few- Actives are worth it. Okay. So they're worth it. I have a few follow-up questions though. Like, obviously there are so many different types of actives on the market right now, I feel like, whether, you know, it be like the ones that you mentioned, the major players, the vitamin Cs, the retinols, the niacinamides. There are a variety of other antioxidants. We could probably go on and on and on. Yeah. Are there any that you think are like, okay, this just gets you so much bang for your buck versus ones that you're like, eh, fine. You know, is it like you always tell people to go for a vitamin C over another antioxidant? Anything like that? Yeah, that's such a good question. I have many, many feelings about it. So let's start with our bucket of prevent. I think that if you're going to do something preventative, you can do a retinol or you can do a, an acid, like a glycolic acid or alpha hydroxy acid. You do not need to do both. You do not need a alpha hydroxy acid cleanser and a retinol at night, like pick one. So that saves you some money. And you don't have to do one the whole year. Like I'm a retinol in the winter, glycolic acid in the summer and spring kind of girl. Great. My bucket is done. I'm choosing two different things. They do slightly different things. They're complementary. I'm not spending $100 for a glycolic. 
on a retinal, that is an area where the formulation 100% matters. And the more prestige retinols are not better. Hmm. So for that one, you do want to kind of think about, are there any clinical studies behind it? I do think that a couple of derms recommend retinols and there are some surprising winners in the retinol category that you can get in the drugstore that you would literally be like, what are you kidding me? But they're amazing home runs. I think that the places where, so either you do a glycolic or you, you know, you do that retinol. I think if you're going to use sunscreen, it doesn't matter as long as you're using it. Sunscreen is another place that you can totally save money. And it's just about texture, you know, as long as you like using it and it's not making you break out. And the other save in the summertime is use your sunscreen as your face moisturizer. Okay. It kills me. People use moisturizer and then they put sunscreen on. I was like, don't you feel sticky and like slimy? No wonder you don't like sunscreen. Sunscreens are by definition created with emollients in them and they moisturize your skin in addition to protecting them by definition. Sure. This is a good place to jump in as a reminder that zinc oxide is an actual skincare ingredient with other benefits other than sun protection. Zinc has been shown to soothe inflammation, be well-tolerated by those with sensitive skin, and even tempers acne. In fact, research has shown that zinc oxide is an effective treatment for zits, which is why it is often seen as an ingredient in many natural spot treatments. So you're good there. Then when it comes to other actives, if I had to choose some, I would go by decade. When you're in your 20s, okay, 20s, you want to like kind of slant more towards prevention protection. And like, I think most 20 year olds now seem to be a little over obsessed about their pores and potentially acne. So I would go more towards the niacinamide group. As you get older, dark circles under your eyes start to creep in and you need a little bit of like reversal of stuff. So that's where I like some of the caffeine solutions for under the eyes. And I think it's important to get a antioxidant. But the thing with antioxidants is the vitamin C has become such a pylon, like everybody wants a vitamin C, but you don't really know how stable they are in the bottle. So here's my trick. You always want to make sure that your vitamin C is in an opaque container. So it's either an amber colored bottle or a true opaque container. And you want to make sure that not a lot of oxygen can get into it. So there are a couple of dupes out there that are amazing also in the drugstore that I highly, highly recommend. And I can tell you two, one, I have a conflict of interest in because I helped um, develop it and it just launched, but it's like pretty ridiculous price. So I'll mention it. So one is the Vichy vitamin C ampules. Oh my God, love them. Right? Yes. So not crazy expensive. And why would you not use those? And I love an ampule. Yeah, I love an ampule too. I feel like they're highly underutilized. I'm with you. So Vichy vitamin C ampules, I did not help develop that one, but that's at a great price point for what's in there. Also, It Cosmetics, that's the one I did help develop. Sure, yeah. That one just came, they just came out with a, this um, serum called Bye Bye Dullness, 15% okay. L-ascorbic acid, um, 29 bucks. I'll have to try it. Yeah, Sign it's, me up. it's uh, just coming out now and it's really, really good. And then I think... So, you know, you could do vitamin C, but let's not forget resveratrol is a great um, antioxidant. And then you know which one is super underappreciated? Green tea. Ooh. Green tea is a great antioxidant. And people, like, forget about that one. 
So these green tea polyphenols, I think, are much less expensive than vitamin C and work just as well. And they're less expensive because they don't have to go through all the stability testing and like making a vitamin C serum is expensive work. So that's my feeling on antioxidants. And then as you get older, I think you should invest in a peptide cream. Sure. Um, because Can you explain with- a little bit more about peptide technology? Yeah. Because I, I feel like I actually don't talk about it a ton here. So I feel like I would love your help explaining it. Yeah. So your skin, as it builds collagen, as it you know tries to retain its elasticity, peptides are these molecules that, again, in theory, um, can penetrate through the skin and help upregulate other peptides to help the process of formation of the molecules that help your skin be more firm. Now, the reason it seems a little gobbledygook is because everyone calls everything a peptide. It's like mm. a word. And you don't really know what the peptide is. And then everybody wants to say, oh, we've got a proprietary peptide blend. And you're like, does this really even do anything? But I do think that there are, that is an area where you do want to spend money because peptides are expensive. So if you find a cream that says it's got peptides and it's really cheap, then it's probably not any good. Got it. And I think peptides are good for the more mature person um, or the person who wants to piggyback it with their retinol for like that one-two punch at night. Sure. Okay. Really good tips. I really like that breakdown, especially by the decade, because, you know, obviously we have to evolve our skincare with time as our skin changes. Next thing I want to chat with you about are, you know, some of these myths that we see on social media. You know, I think obviously it's something that you spend some time on your platforms, you know, trying to wade through the waters of what is being said. And we kind of talked about it up top here about, you know, like, People think because they have skin and they have a platform, therefore they are skin experts. I I often feel the same way where, you know, I often see people and, and it's like, okay, just because you wash your face at night doesn't doesn't make you an expert at that. <laughs> so true. It's so and it's true. like, I spend so much time in this space and I still am like, actually, let me go triple check this with a dermatologist before I say this, you know, and like, you're so- the exception to the rule, I will say, <laughs> because I think that a lot of people are like, oh, yeah, I saw this on this person's thing. And they think they understand the nuance of what that person is saying. And then they just regurgitate it as if it's theirs. And you're like, that was not the point of that post. You know totally. what I mean? Totally. It's like a game of telephone on yes. social media all of the time. So, you know, I want to ask you, so what are some that you see on there that you find particularly annoying? I'm sure there's quite a few. So should we talk about myths of it? Or do you want to even say, like, can we include some trends? Ooh, okay. Great differentiation there. Why don't we start with trends and then we can kind of go into some myths. So one of the trends I alluded to it at the the top was people doing self-injections with fillers. Crazy. And I think what people don't realize is that when you are implanting something in your skin, your skin will always have some sort of reaction to it. And the idea is to control the quality of what's being implanted so that you don't have a horrible reaction that can potentially be disfiguring. So we saw for a while people were doing these self-injections with this pen that when you actually looked at the force with which it was extruding these hyaluronic acid capsules into people's faces, they looked at it almost like a ballistics expert and they shot it into ballistic gel and it was literally coming out as if a bullet was going into uh, you. Oh my gosh. That is 
horrible. Crazy. And you see all these young people and you saw, you know, people who were in their 30s saying like, oh, look, I could do my own lip filler. I was like, oh, my goodness. I can't even believe this is a thing that is even happening. What what are people doing? The other thing I think that happens a lot is people like to show how they can use certain products to eliminate bags under their eyes or make all you know wrinkles and lines disappear. And while there's certain ingredients like silicates that do cause that immediate tightening effect, it's not permanent. Mm-hmm. So I think a lot of people don't realize that some of the things they see on social are actually not permanent results at all. And the after is often filtered or facetuned to show sure. a result that's not the reality. So what are some misconceptions that you see? I think people, number one, have somehow be- made pores and hair the enemy. <laughs> Like yep. you're not, it's okay to have fine lanugo baby hairs on your face. That is normal. If yeah, see, it's like this, everyone's shaving their face now. Why? And, okay, so I I haven't really talked about this on this podcast or our website just because I, I don't know like what the right answer to it, but you're not into it. No. Okay, cool. I My gut tells me, like, why are we shaving our faces? But I'm also like, I don't know, maybe there's something good about it that I just haven't dug into yet. But no, I it seems crazy. Do it because I think it exfoliates their face. And yes, like if you dermablade your face, you're kind of scraping off that top layer. So yes, it's a physical exfoliation. But I think what happens is that people like look at their face in daylight and their um, rear, you know, in the like little mirror in their car and they can see light reflecting off some small baby blonde hairs or maybe even some black hairs like oh I have fuzz I have fuzz I try to explain to my patients by the time anybody sees that with their naked eye they're not interested in that because they're that close because they're trying to make out with you what are you talking about and so I think somehow there's created this conception that you have to have a completely silky smooth bare face but that's not like human skin and yeah. nobody can actually even see or feel those tiny little hairs. So people just get crazy about it. And the problem is, is that those hairs, when they grow back, though they are not thicker, from a very small subset of people, they can be. So mm. now you're like shaving your face and in a small subset of people, the hair can come back thicker. So now what are you going to do? You know, and yeah. now you've like created yeah. this whole drama. And for some people, when the hair grows back, it actually creates acne. Oh, Sure. So you're trying to do one thing and you're creating a whole other problem. Yeah. And I guess my thing is like, there are other ways to exfoliate, (laughs) you know, (laughs) if that's why you're doing it, then. Yeah. And I think small baby blonde hairs do not need to be your enemy. Like what's happening? But you know what this all stems from? It stems from people looking in magnifying mirrors. I can tell when a patient comes in and they want to talk to me about a complaint and I ask them right off the bat, do you have a magnifying mirror at home? And they mm. always look at me and they go, yep. And I go, yeah. So first of all, that needs to be thrown away. And then they're going to come back to me in three weeks and tell me if you still see the things you're worried about. Sure. Because those mirrors are the worst for people's self-esteem and assessment of what's going on in their skin. Do you have any more uh, things that you see that, you know, really bother you? Yes. People trying to do pore vacuums. So people are doing this like on their own? Yes. So what happens when people do pore vacuums? Like why why are you so ooh, 
why are you against them? I don't mind certain facials like hydrofacial, which go to, you know, vacuum the debris and the congestion from your pores of your face. What I mind is that when people decide that that's something that's normal to do every day. Sure. That is not okay to be applying that kind of pressure on your face. And then they drag things across their skin. Oh, sure. I didn't even think about that. Yeah. So then they end up causing a lot of irritation and sensitivity. Remember, your skin is a living, breathing organ. Mm-hmm. And it wants to renew itself. And it does a good job if you let it be. Now, you can help it along with exfoliating. But doing these poor vacuums every day, too much. Too okay. Too much. So, you know, I think... DIY hacks are super popular online. And, you know, certainly I actually love a DIY moment personally, but I am very particular about what is actually uh, good to DIY and what should never be DIY. You know, I think. What's your favorite DIY? Well, you know, I I love to do like an aloe vera face mask personally, and I also love an aloe vera scalp mask. I'm actually glad you're bringing that up. I think that is a good DIY, actually. Totally. And I think it's fun and like it's a fun little moment. But, you know, obviously I'm not going to put anything like, you know, you people – you see people put like citrus juices on their face or, you know, things like that. Or like I don't really even touch like apples. Like coarse sea salt scrubs. Do you know at least use sea salt to remove tattoos? Back in the way back day. And I used to be trying to do sea salt exfoliation. I was like, oh. Especially on their face. Oh, my God. Or scalp. Like, that is sensitive skin. You know, so what what do you see online that, you know, are there there ingredients that you are fine with people DIYing versus stuff that, you know, you just say absolutely not? You've obviously mentioned sea salt. Are there anything else that we should keep our eye out for when we're looking for these DIY hacks? I don't mind people using yogurts for face, you know, like that lactic acid in yogurt and those cultures, totally fine for skin. I have no problem with that. Same thing with buttermilk. I have no problem with that. I I don't have a problem with tea being used, you know, cold tea bags mm, to help sure. with, you know, swelling under around the eyes. I don't mind certain like fine sugars, you know, being used for like body parts. I have no problem with that. I like Manuka honey great DIYer ingredient. I like aloe vera, especially straight from the plant. Super happy about that. I don't love when people try to make their own scrubs from various seeds. And I don't like when people, you know, I don't mind coffee in some like coffee grounds in some certain um, hacks I've seen people do. I don't mind that. But I do not like things when people are doing like chili powders or chili paste to make their lips look bigger, for example. That does not seem to No, me that good. that sounds like a recipe for some irritation, yeah. which yeah. is, I guess, that kind is, of the point if you're going to plump it. Well. Yeah. <laughs> but I'm generally not a fan of that. I try to tell people to be very careful with DIYing masks around the eyes because mm. the eyes are such a sensitive area. And getting things that are not meant to be in your eye, in your eye, can be quite um, problematic. Sure. You know, the last thing I want to chat up with you about is what you do for yourself. You know, what is your skincare routine? What is your wellness routine? I kind of have the saying that everything is skincare. You know, you need to get the eight hours. You need to, you know, do all of the things. And I kind of all count that as my skincare routine. So what, what do you do to keep your skin healthy? I actually have a really simple routine. So I shower every morning and I use Dove to wash my face in the shower. I learned recently, I 
always presumed, I guess, because that's how I've learned, is you everyone washes their face in the shower. But there are many people who do not do that. They wash their face outside the shower, which was shocking to me. No, I've always had my shower face wash and then the one by the sink. (laughs) Uh, 50% of people that I have talked to do not do that. They shower and do not wash their face. They wash their face separately. Interesting. Yeah, super interesting. So anyway, I use my hands. I don't use any kind of face cloth or any sort of abrasive. So Dove in the shower, every once in a while, like maybe once in a, in a month, I'll use this micro exfoliating scrub from SkinCeuticals. It's bamboo based, rounded beads, and I just sort of like to get in there. I will, and I know this is going to cause a lot of drama, my feet and my elbows and knees get very dry. And as a woman of color, they look really much darker. So I will go ahead and use a little St. Ives on those areas. I know crazy, but it works really well for me. Uh Oh, people are going to come for you. I know they're going to come for me. I know. And then as soon as I get out of the shower, I actually use aquaphor body spray. It is like my favorite thing on the planet because you can become completely moisturized in one second flat. I also have to use something by Skin Fix called um, Renew Plus, because I I got this thing called Keratosis Pilaris. A lot of people have it, but I actually got it after I had my third child. Interesting. Um, and, and so I use that. It works like a charm for me. I love the citrusy scent to it. And I love Skin it, Fix. They're, I like a lot of their stuff. I, yeah. They work well for me. That yeah, brand. I do too. I just, I think they're a great brand. Then I put on a little um, resveratrol, which is my antioxidant of choice, and I roll out the door. Oh, the moisturizer I use because I tend to get a little oily sometimes. I'll alternate depending on what's like literally right in front of me. Either um, confidence in a in a gel lotion or this summer Fridays moisture dew, and I only do oh, it sure. because I love the texture of it. It just feels sensorially nice to me. And then I'm out the door. Nice um, and easy. I, yeah, I wear sunscreen. I'm out the door. At nighttime, I come home and I wash my face with an enzyme cleanser to just because I have to wear a mask all day. Sure. Um, and that really changed a lot of what I could do with my skincare. And then I use this, my biggest area of feeling subconscious is what I call my panda eyes, also known as my super dark circles that are hereditary. And I've tried every eye cream ever to make them better. And it's painful, but I use um, the Lumiere eye cream once a week. I will use Wander Beauty baggage claim eye patches. I'm obsessed with them. They're my favorite for the Oh, it's been a while since I've used those, but I like that too. Yeah, those are, for me, they work really well. And then I have been known to, every once in a while, do the Ordinary's Caffeine Solution. I'm, you know, I'm mixed about using individual ingredients straight from the bottle. But that's probably a topic for another podcast. (laughs) It could probably be like a whole other episode. (laughs) Um, But that works well for me. And, you know, if I do wear makeup, again, because I'm wearing a mask all day, so I have to wear glasses and a mat and an N95 because I'm seeing patients. But I do have to cover my under eye area because it's like, you know, it makes me look really tired when I'm not. So I use the It Cosmetics Bye Bye Under Eye in uh, Tan Neutral 43. That famous concealer. Yeah. Does that have a cult following it? Um, oh, man. <laughs> yeah. I, it 
it does. And I understand why, because yeah. when I don't wear it, I'm like, woof, I forgot what I look like. Sure, um, sure. And I'll use a glycolic overnight. So my nighttime routine is mainly like just trying to keep my eyes from totally overtaking my face um, <laughs> in the darkness. But I tend to be a glycolic user in in the wintertime, you know, sorry, in the summer. And then in the winter, I switch to retinol. So it sounds sure. like it's a lot of things, but it's like four things. Mainly no, not three bad of them are around my eye. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, great routine and great recommendations. I have tried many of those and personally am a fan of them as well. I also don't always get to wash my face at night, but I always wipe my face at night. Okay. So, so is that like, could you, do you give people the pass on that? Yeah. You know, I'll do like a micellar and just wipe my face off with it. Sure. And again, it's more, and when my kids were in diapers, I used to use a diaper wipe. Don't sure. judge me. That's okay. <laughs> you're that tired and that like, you know, back against the wall. You're like, I go to sleep now with my mascara on or I use this diaper wipe. It would be like diaper wipe wins. We all have to do what we have to do. <laughs> so I think that I try to stick to the, you know, prevent, protect, reverse buckets. And I will dabble in things here and there. But I often find that if I stray too quickly from skincare routines that I have, I break out. Like I just very, my skin tells me when it's mad at me. And I have kind of like everyday average COVID, you know, skin, <laughs> which is yeah. my new category of like, what type of skin do you have? Plus normal oily. And I was like, in the past two years now that we're going on, I was like, I think everyone's just got COVID skin, which is like yes. their skin outside your mask and their skin inside your mask and they're different beasts. <laughs> I mean, I I love that. I'm actually stealing that. So thank you. No worries. <laughs> well, I just want to say thank you so much for joining us today. I had a lot of fun mm. and I think that we all have a ton of tidbits that we can go home with. I'm going to go reevaluate my routine right now. <laughs> it was so fun chatting with you today and thank you so much. And I really appreciate it when um, they're really socially responsible and really smart people out there who are trying to report and educate on beauty because I think there's so much misinformation that it's mm. a delight to be part of something that's just really good information. Uh, well, thank you so much. And I, I couldn't do it without people like you. So <laughs> I appreciate it. Thank you. You're welcome. I hope you have an amazing day. You too. Hey guys, just popping back in here to say thanks for joining us this week at Clean Beauty School. I hope you enjoyed this episode as much as I did. If you're looking for more beauty content or just wellness content in general, don't forget to check out our website, mindbodygreen.com, our Instagram, mindbodygreen, and of course, our parent podcast, the Mind Body Green Podcast. If you enjoyed this episode, don't forget to rate and review us. Thanks again. See you next week.